Hello, welcome to the Humane Revolution. Today it's episode 8 and we have today with us again after quite long, Carlos. Oh, hello. Thanks. How are you doing, Carlos? Ah, good, good. How's it's been your summer? All good? Yes, a lot of things to do, but it's been good in general. Uh, I'm so happy to be back and hopefully we'll have an exciting conversation today. <laughs> Absolutely, because today we have a guest with us that we are extremely pleased to have her with us today. I personally met her one month ago, more or less, and we had a super interesting conversation about humane technology. Her name is Mireya Bosch. Hello, Mireya. Hello, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> and how are you doing? How's everything going? I'm fine. I mean, uh, after the summer, I'm very fresh and ready to start uh, new projects. Well, very well, Great. very good. Again, back with all the energy that we need, no? Yes. To keep working. So, well, first of all, Mireya, uh, I would like you to tell us a little bit about you, like who you are, where do you come from, what do you do? What are you doing here in Stockholm? <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Well, I'm from Barcelona. Uh, the last seven years I've been working on uh, media, communication, and telecommunication uh, industry. And... Uh, mostly uh, in the positions of uh, management and uh, coordinator. But in 2020, I decided to change careers. And here's where my uh, adventure in uh, Stockholm starts. Mm -hmm. I came to study a digital management master in Hyper Island. And uh, well, because my goal is to uh, work at, and in the between the intersection of um, ethical innovation, technology, soci society, mm -hmm. and uh, design. So A lot of things. Yeah. That sounds yes, great. Yes, exactly. And I had the opportunity while doing this master and doing the final project to find a topic that I'm very passionate, mm -hmm. which is human technology. Mm -hmm. And the result of this is uh, a project called the Human Technology Project, mm -hmm. which is a research um, that develops a framework uh, to create socially um, technology and... Uh, like socially responsible exactly. technology. Exactly, yeah. right. socially yeah. responsible yes. technology. Like also takes care of like this dimension of, of technology exactly. as being like more responsible of what are the consequences of technology now. Yeah, uh, I was about to ask, because I never thought about this, but how do you define humane technology? Well, that's a very important thing. Like we talked in a podcast before about uh, when with Javier. I wasn't there, obviously. That uh, we went to to see Tristan Harris at Norskian House here at the Stockholm. It was very well inspiring. If we can use like this boring buzzword of innovation, inspiring. <laughs> Everything inspiring. Everything's inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. So, but yeah, yeah. I think that there's like a huge movement happening right now in innovation and technology that is towards making. Well, the name is humane technology, but it can be basically, okay, you know, like this is a business, but we can try to make a little bit less profit, but still uh, create a business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like in, in exchange for making a little bit less money, we can create a positive impact in society. You know? mm. So how to make a business and at the same time create a positive impact in society in the area in which you are working. You know? That's it. That's that's what this could be like basically about. But I don't know, Mireya, do you have anything? Yeah, to exactly. Add? Well, I think that uh, human technology is a technology that respects hum human uh, vulnerabilities and that uh, treats uh, our time, our 
our time, our lives, you could say. Yeah, yeah no, our time. Else. Yeah, privacy and uh, cognitive uh, system uh, are sacred, mm. and mm. Uh, I think that we need that. Mm. Okay, so if I understand, uh, you would like technology that doesn't exploit, let's say, our cognitive biases exactly. and our other. Uh, as you say, vulnerabilities, that's such a like computer science people <laughs> term, <laughs> the way you say it. But let's say our, our biases towards certain presentation of information or emotional content and so on, for example. I, is that yes, correct? Yes, is that correct. All right. Mm -hmm. So, well, that would be a definition of humane technology. We can set the stage there and with that talk about uh, your project. Like, okay. Then, because I saw it. And it's very interesting, it's very complex, because I would yeah. say that like this matter is very complex it's itself. Because, you know, like it's very easy from the outside say, that yes, like these companies, they only make money and they don't care about anything else, but um, they do it because it's the easy thing to do in the end. Not like it's extremely complicated to, to make money and at the same time, you know, like being like purely, you know, <laughs> Like pure and, and cast. I, I, and I guess it would be the question is how do you remain competitive? You have to get such an edge over your competitors to be morally righteous, hmm. but also profitable. Yeah, yes. but there, there's like, you know, in one, uh, in one batch meeting here in the incubator program at KDH Innovation, we had a guest that talked to us about um, sustainability. Mm -hmm. And there was a demonstration of how companies that really invested in sustainability, they were capable of making profit more sustained on time. So that, uh, well, basically, if uh, companies that invested in sustainability in the 90s, they were capable to still exist and still make profit 10 years later. And mm -hmm. the other ones that perhaps they did a little bit more profit in the 90s, most of them, they were bankrupt and mm -hmm. they were completely out. Yeah. I would say that, you know, like when you have a board of directors that like curious about this, like, you know, because you don't, you know, like social media started in the, like we can say the early 2000s, no? <laughs> yeah. But we have seen the problems with anxiety, mental health, addiction, etc. now. So it's like a midterm thing to long-term thing. <laughs> so I would say that when a board of directors is capable of thinking about the midterm and long-term, it's not only about the impact in society, but also they have that mindset. So it's beneficial for the company also. Mm -hmm. And perhaps that's one of the things that explain why this happens. Of course, I'm sure that there's a lot of other factors, but that's more or less what they explain to us. And I think it makes sense. In yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, during my research, I was talking with a friend, like, oh, these ideas, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, okay, what about the business? And I couldn't answer, and I was, like, very pissed off because, uh, like, I had this ide ideal... Uh, a project of creating better technology and but of course we live in a world that uh, we have a economic system and it's very related I mean technology is embed embedded in uh, in the co in our culture and of course in our uh, economic system so how do you manage how how is possible to do it but also uh, I've found um, some case studies of uh, companies that are doing this. So it's possible. And I think that uh, we need uh, to start thinking uh, of how to accomplish this. And going back to your framework, Mireya, um, so like, is it a framework for companies that are like being created or is it also 
suitable for companies that already exist and want to make this transition to mm. not okay. like human technology. Okay, so uh, the framework is called the uh, Humane Technology Compass. Uh, it's a framework that aligns uh, the design, the business, and uh, the, technolo the technology and the ethics. So um, it's for any technolo technological company that wants to uh, start, like uh, a startup can use it to uh, put their goals and con uh, continue doing it. And maybe also an established company wants to um, be more sustainable or want to be more conscious about uh, what uh, about their products or their services. Mm -hmm. So uh, both can use it, and I think uh, it's a nice framework like to achieve like small steps because we are talking about human technology. But I believe that uh, change is not made with one day. So mm -hmm. you need uh, small steps and yeah. a system that uh, help you like to to be able to uh, implement all of them. Mm -hmm. What would you say uh, is the, or at least one of the biggest challenges for companies to do this transition? I think uh, it's difficult for companies to do this transition because uh, of the old methods. Uh, if you think about uh, like tech uh, companies in general, mm -hmm. uh, we still like, um, thinking of uh, in, in an extractive uh, approach to things. Mm -hmm. So we create uh, services and products and the most important KPI is the engagement or yeah. the retainment. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, like what is a KPI just to make sure that Key performance is. indicator. Okay. So um, they look at how uh, effective or Product, uh, productive. productive is uh, their service. Mm -hmm. And this, uh, when, uh, of course, we are in the attention economy. Mm -hmm. And uh, the attention economy is the natural economy of the civil space. Mm -hmm. So uh, what they have to, uh, like, what these big companies have to do is, like, uh, catch the attention of yeah. their yeah. uh, users the and, maximize and, and maximize it, exactly. Right. But I think that um, we need to start combining uh, the traditional KPIs and the non-traditional KPIs mm -hmm. that um, could be, for example, uh, inclusion, accessibility, mm -hmm. or wherever that is related uh, for the well-being of that user. Mm -hmm. and, um, and as we said uh, before, it's very, very uh, related uh, to the economy. Mm -hmm. And also during my uh, project or my research, I interviewed a guy that uh, is, doing, um, is working on the uh, design of transformation, uh, transforming the economy. Mm -hmm. So I was, it was interest, very interesting um, conversation because he told me that uh, we cannot, uh, like, economy has to stop being extraction. Mm -hmm. No, extractive. To be more relational. Yeah. So mm -hmm. what uh, these new uh, or big companies have to offer is uh, 
something that is uh, meaningful, and more than that, it has to be transcendent. Mm-hmm. It has to offer something that makes the user feel good and mm-hmm. feel that uh, it's doing something good for himself, for the society, and for the planet. Okay, but that's... <laughs> that sounds like a circular attention economy. <laughs> well, I don't yes. know. Like To me, it sounds like it's like the correct thing to do, but yeah. the wolf of Wall Street would ask you, okay, but how do we make the money, man? Like, How do I buy my Ferrari, you know? <laughs> um, like, I don't know. Like I think that it's also like a cultural change to make, yeah. perhaps, to some extent. No? Like, um, I feel that sometimes, like, or at least this is like my personal perspective, that sometimes like the, the capitalism mm-hmm. or the capitalist markets they are nothing more than a projection of who we are as a society, mm-hmm. you know? Um, as long as the markets are not directed from a central authority, government, uh, central bank, whatever thing that you can call it, in the end it's us human beings and us as a collective that decide what is better and what is worse, you know? We decide to buy in Theta, yeah. or we decide to buy in Primark, or we decide to buy in the local store, and those are the decisions that we make as a society. You know? So I would say that, you know, because I, 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 I see sometimes that there's like us, you know, that we care about humane technology and that we, for whatever reason, we have suffered this problem. We are concerned about it and we want to put a solution. Mm-hmm. This is a growing community of people worldwide. You know? we, we, we saw Tristan Harris coming from America to talk, yeah. to talk about this you now and... And it's a, a sign that there is something there that is shared by a lot of people all around the globe. But on the other hand, I have friends that they tell me, they don't care. bro, I don't give a fuck. I mean, <laughs> if, they, if they collect my cookies and they offer me a good ad, I, that's all the things that I care about, no? So why, you know, like why, what can we tell these people to make them care about this now? Well, the thing I usually tell my friends that are a bit more... Um, they like money more than me, let's say, <laughs> and they and they like how things are because they have this. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna be honest. Delusional belief that somehow they'll get there to the 0.00001 percent of people that are swimming in in money and have five Ferraris, uh, and I tell them that even if you could achieve that, the problem is that if everybody could achieve that. There's just not enough stuff for everybody. There's not even enough stuff for half of the planet to live middle class style, like in Sweden. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of resources. Like I told him, like the way we use resources right now, it won't sustain if the population doubles or or even grows forty percent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, and that's not me making that up. That's just uh, you. It's you know numbers. You, you can see easily if, for example, all the population of India and China live like the population of Sweden. Wow. Like, but that could happen. I yeah, mean, I mean we would have to go to the moon. <laughs> yeah. and Start planting the things there. Yeah, and and that's what I mean. Like, there has to be a more uh, efficient way to produce things that is more recyclable or recircular or whatever word you want to to use instead of just extracting things away. Mm-hmm. And and well, yeah, they're slowly listening, little yeah. by little. We get it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Big, yeah. I think that um, it's not sustainable anymore. This uh, operative um, mode or this uh, the way, way we of do the, things, the way uh, we are doing things. And um, first of all, I, to these people, I would I would say to them that. Um, now society uh, is more complex, and I think it will be 
more and more mm. complex. Mm -hmm. And to do that, we need uh, like we need wisdom. Mm. And to uh, have wisdom, you need to be able to understand different positions and different point of views. And uh, we need collaboration. And I think that if you don't protect that, mm -hmm. uh, how you think, um, and we are, I'm sorry to say that, back up. <laughs> but yes, and uh, that's why you, we need like uh, humane technology, mm -hmm. uh, technology that uh, is an exoskeleton of uh, our, uh, for our thinking. Mm -hmm. And um, because uh, we need tools. We, we don't need uh, infinite loops and feeds to mm -hmm. get addicted to. Yeah. And um, we we think that oh, we can manage, we can um, not be addicted to our screens or mm -hmm. our uh, social media. But uh, it's uh, like the science with uh, mm, that is behind mm -hmm. uh, this mm. technology. It's uh, cognitive impenetrable. Mm -hmm. So uh, even if we won't like to not be addicted. Uh, it comes in. I mean, um, we cannot uh, hmm. I mean, solve I, it. So that's why we need like a big companies to, uh, or big technological companies to start doing uh, or creating human technology. And yeah, 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 yes, I, I wanted to give a thought about it because, you know, I'm the cognitive scientist not uh, yeah. around. So it, what you're talking about got my attention because you were using the term cognitively impenetrable, yeah. which I think you refer more like it's hardwired to people. They can't really stop it. They have to behave in a certain way because they're already being hooked on this thing. Yes. And to that point, I'd say, yes, it makes sense. And, and I think what we need actually is... Uh, Oh, man, I was going to hate me for saying that. But we, we, <laughs> we, 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 we need some type of regulation of social media to some degree. Yes, I agree with that. Because I was thinking about this the, the, today in the morning. Uh, I'm going to jump a bit of, of subject, but it's, it's related to this. Okay. Uh, like, like video games, for example. Uh -huh. They've changed a lot in our time uh -huh. to the yeah. point that maybe we all cranky people don't enjoy them as much anymore. And at the beginning, yeah. I thought I was just getting all uncranky and things are not what they <laughs> used to be. Uh, but then I realized that there is an increment of games that are becoming becoming more and more like casinos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They play to win culture, though. Yeah, exactly. And I realized, you know, like kids that are like three are playing casino games. Yeah, so yeah. by the time they're 10, they're fucking junkies. Yeah, no. And I realized, like, a, regu a regulation that could be nice, it would be, for example, that the actual age restrictions are respected because then your brain will be able to develop normally and not develop yeah. a strong addiction exactly. to these things because teenagers spend hours and hours just, you know, yeah. going through feeds yeah. because they've always been exposed to that their whole lives. And it's very difficult, as you say, then to break a pattern that is being so in entrenched in your brain. It is, and uh, I heard uh, uh, in an event uh, that, um, I mean, our prefrontal cortex uh, yes. is plain when we are uh, kids or babies. And uh, we, we have like a stimulation with uh, light, sound, and movement. Mm -hmm. And if you put like a screen in front of a baby, you are uh, like, is what uh, these three elements are inside of this. Mm. So uh, is you are like 
educating that baby yeah. with that uh, information. So uh, I think that uh, when you take this from from them, or yeah. we have more problem with kids with uh, like a deficit of attention mm -hmm. and. Yeah. So, so I far, think I think yeah. there's so much research about screens yeah. that is super controversial and people say all sorts of things. But one of the biggest issues with screens is actually that kids become very passive and very inactive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they don't really find enjoyment in, very, uh, exactly. in other things. And then they, they, there is, and this is more robust, the, the fact that it completely messes up with all your sleep cycles. Mm -hmm. And that messes up with everything else. Yeah. Uh, but as a, as a parent, it's very convenient to just put the guy in front of a screen and well, do whatever you want. I'm not going to do that. Uh, yeah, yeah. You say that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do it sometimes? Are you guilty of that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, but I mean, he, fortunately, my son is not very TV oriented. Okay. In general, he, he gets bored fast. <laughs> Which is more work for me. Um, <laughs> but it happens that there are kids that they're immediately interested in the screen and they just spend six hours in front of the screen and... and also, that even can even mess with the way they learn language because mm -hmm. kids learn language better when they're in a meeting that in front of a screen, which used to be a common belief. Like, well, if you watch the TV, he'll mm -hmm. learn to speak whatever the TV is saying. And it's not that good, actually, because it's very passive. The kid's just receiving things. Yeah. Uh, whereas this is, is an interaction. This mm -hmm. is, you know, up and down. The kid and, has to and, adapt. And you have, like, the kid has to interact in yeah. some way. No? Yeah, it's a more complex process yeah. to kind of predict how people behave. Yeah. than just a screen. Um, and the other thing I remember is like screens keep you away from the sun. And there is some arguments that, <laughs> for example, in, in Asia, you see like an epidemic of people wear glasses. It sounds so silly, right? But in some places, like 70% of people wear glasses. In Korea, it's very high. And there seems to be a correlation between that and not being exposed to sunlight when you're young, very young. And probably that's because you were in front of a screen or you were playing at home and you were kept in, in a mm. dark space. Uh -huh. And I think that, that's problematic, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, like, okay, I have to say that I agree, but I don't agree to some extent. So I agree in what the sense mean? that, that um, I think that it's problematic to have children, you know. I mean, why is it forbidden to, to a 10-year-old to enter a casino? And it's not forbidden to, you know, like play a play to earn, like play, you know? Yeah. Play to, play, pay to win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a pay to win uh, game, no? I would say that if, let's say like, if, if the addiction dangers are the same of a video game, of a casino or whatever, like that should be banned in, in all cases, no? And of course, like all the bad consequences of being addicted to a screen when you're five years old, I think that's obvious, no? So I would say that, yes, I do agree with, protecting children from the attention economy. But I have to say also one thing, that my parents are more addicted to the mobile phone than me. Because people that have like 40, 50, 60 years old, like this thing has arrived so late in their lives, they don't have the tools to combat that. And honestly, like my friends, my age, that we, I'm, like I'm 24 years old and my friends that are my age, they are all of them less addicted to the mobile phone than my parents. And my parents, they are like the typical people, or <laughs> not my parents especially, but people the age of my parents are the one that are accusing children of being addicted. But they themselves <laughs> are not capable of controlling themselves, like using Facebook or uh, whatever typical. thing that they use. You know? 
So there's also a problem there. Like, okay, like they're old people or like whatever we can call them and let them do whatever they want, no? But it's more problematic in a person that is being like raised because it has all the life yeah. in, front of them, yeah. in front of them, no? But yeah. still like, okay, let's stop criticizing the young people yeah, because yeah. it's very easy. Yeah. And then we have like 60 years old addicted to Facebook. Yeah, so two counter arguments politely. <laughs> uh, the first one is that that's anecdotal evidence. Why not? And second, um, it's true. I mean, a lot of old people don't know what's going on and they're just going to go down that uh, drain and get lost. But we don't know where the, the people who are like three years old are going to be in 30 years. We have no idea. No, that's absolutely Maybe it's better, but but uh, maybe, maybe it's worse. I mean, but maybe maybe they learn. Like, yeah, how to like you. Solid, no? But you realize, like, oh, I'm fed up with this shit, and I need yeah. to change. But, yeah. but let's say, but yeah. I'm from a different. Like, I think that our generation is very special because, let's say, like I was born in 1997 in Spain, and let's say, like I saw like cable internet at kilobyte velocity okay dude that was born before the internet and <laughs> i saw that at my home but i also uh now i'm seeing no like tiktok and everything but yeah. let's say like the internet has grown with me like we can say if we can make this comparison like the internet was the same age i was at every single step so i saw everything grow from nothing and i have a relationship with technology that is prior to the attention economy and all this yeah. stuff <laughs> So I think that like our generation, this uh, like late millennials, early X generation, we are lucky in the sense that technology is part of our lives. Like I'm a person that has watched more YouTube than the TV, that has uh, read more uh, news on the internet than newspapers, by far, of course, that uh, has played uh, video games like since, he, like since I was a kid in my case. So we have a relationship with technology that is part of our lives, but technology that is completely different to the technology that we have nowadays. So we can see the difference between technology when we were kids and TikTok, you know? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think our parents could say the same. Uh, but Maria, what do you think yeah, of all this I mean, mess that we're, uh, we're in here? I think <laughs> that, of course, technology is a tool and it affects uh, us. It's shaping our realities. And... Uh, well, uh, I think we need to uh, learn how to use it well. Mm -hmm. This is my concern, like, uh, because uh, technology is uh, inevitable. So um, I, I just want, like, to, to um, be able, like, to um, give something, like, this framework, like, to uh, help build a new kind of technology that help us. Because um, maybe now or since 2018, we are more aware of uh, the, um, the ripples effects of the technology. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, still, it's like we don't really know exactly what's going on behind it. And uh, I think it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just want to work uh, to to do it better, mm -hmm. I think it's it's amazing, and um, I think also that there's a lot of uh, young people using uh, technology to uh, to do good mm -hmm. and to uh, create uh, 
innovative um, projects. And um, yeah, I, I just really uh, wanted uh, to use these tools mm -hmm. to do something better. Yeah, you, you sound very inspired. Yeah, absolutely. I'm inspiring. Also. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that. No sarcasm in that term. But let's say like one question there. Like, I, I think we mentioned it, but okay, so this, this problem or this problematic of humane technology, attention economy, like all this shit that is happening, is it a technological problem or is it a cultural problem? What do we have to attack? The it's technology or the cultural or both? Question. I don't want to attack anything. I, I, just, <laughs> I, just, say, I, I just want to say that um, it's not a technological uh, yeah. problem. Yeah. I, I think it's a social problem. Yeah. And uh, because technology is not neutral, so it's an intention behind it. Mm -hmm. And um, this intention uh, or technical choices uh, has a responsibility. So um, we need to start thinking uh, with systems and uh, know that uh, every action that we have like, has a, a an effect and a consequence. Yes. And uh, I think uh, our mistake is to think that all the things are uh, in, a, uh, in a line mm -hmm. or it's... it's uh, Lin um, linear, 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 yeah, succession. And it's not like this. And I think we are moving from centers to uh, connections and relations. Mm -hmm. And uh, we need like uh, to change our mindset mm -hmm. and start thinking that everything is interconnected. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you do something uh, in technology or mm -hmm. in, and everything can be um, related to. And I love this idea. And uh, I think that we need like to, uh, we are in, in a moment, I think, in a shift. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the right opportunity like to change direction for good. Mm -hmm. I hope, mm -hmm. I hope yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we need to, uh, as I said, start thinking uh, systemically. Yeah. And well, uh, and combined perspective, design, technology, uh, social impact. And I think in this way, we will be able to have different point of views and be more uh, collaborative and uh, be able to face the threats that we are having in this period of time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, very interesting. Like, and then like, I would like to ask, ask you, because we talked about this previously, like, how is technology an extension of our reality? Like, How does technology because maybe like Oof. this is a thing that we're not like very what a postmodern question though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but we are like like sometimes I think that we are not like very aware of that. And I think that what has made it like more evident is this uh, race for the metaverse or the uh, like virtual augmented reality. We talked that in the second podcast. Um, but how how is how, I mean like how is technology shaping our reality and is like. You know, our reality is not only the physical space, it's all, it also happens in the screens. No? Exactly. And uh, I think that, um, as I said before, uh, like technology is a tool. Uh, we, uh, like humans, always use uh, tools to, like an extension of our body and our mind. 
and um, it shape our world and our reality. And um, we need to think that even we have like uh, a lot of technology, it doesn't mean progress. And um, I think that uh, like everything that we are related to, every tool that we touch, every like for example for the metaverse, like mm -hmm. every new space or scene, let's say like this, mm -hmm. uh, affects us. And um, for example, in the past, when you uh, interact with a computer, it was like a like one to like one side. Uh, yeah. One to one. Yeah. One to one uh, conversation, let's say. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's improved. And yeah. now, like, uh, it started the era of the uh, cyberspace, where you can be uh, connected with a lot of uh, people and everything is happening at the same time. So uh, we need to be aware of that and um, choose or be aware at least of uh, yeah. which reality you want to live yeah. in. Well, no, I think in a less romantic vibe that you were putting there, uh, mm -hmm. the academic term of what you're describing is extended cognition. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And it's basically how human condition has been improved or extended by different types of technologies. Mm -hmm. Something as silly as uh, you know a notebook could be extended cognition because your memory is not good enough to remember every single detail of a lecture, so you offload a lot of stuff in the uh, textbook. Yeah, and to improve your memory uh, capacity. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, that's the, the difficult part because there's evidence that you remember worse if you put things, if you offload things in something uh -huh. because you're not using yeah. it, right? Well, yeah. But you're still like extended cognition is a real thing and you can use it for Exactly, the cyberspace is a whole new level of that. Like you can create so many things that are a representation of your own perception, ideas, thoughts, cognitive processes. So yeah, it's a lot of work on that and how to create improvement in in in, the, in using technology to enhance our cognition. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I think uh, what you're saying goes around that way. It's not as romantic as saying our reality, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it, go, it goes around what you guys are saying. That's kind of the, the field that studies this thing in psychology, extended mm -hmm. cognition. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like basically saying that, let's say like technology is not like a sterile thing that no. is, no. like, you know, like has no effect on, on our world, like how we perceive things, how we, how we are constructed as humans, how we, interact with people, how society, mm -hmm. how the fabric of society is made, no? to some extent. So, uh, like, taking that into consideration, I would say, like, from my point of view, at least, it's relevant, like, you know, like, maybe you don't have to be that intense <laughs> in everything that you do in your life, but I would say that, that at least know that that's a component. Like, at least know that the way you see the world, and it's, like, I think it's very obvious when we talk about polarization on social media, no, like, mm -hmm. Of course, like Twitter and these social media shapes how you see the world because if not, like, how is it possible that um, two people that get into Twitter have, like, the completely different views of the world because the algorithms on Twitter, like, target them to different things and, and so on. No? And, uh, and then, like, related to this, you know, related to algorithms and so on, like, talking about the attention economy, we've talked a lot about this in the podcast. But like briefly from your side, Mireya, what would you say that is the attention economy? What would you like to share with us about this? 
Well, I think the attention economy uh, is uh, the natural uh, economy of the cyberspace. And um, also, um, it, uh, when all the, like, all the companies like offering uh, service or products wants like the attention of um, the customer, and uh, I think that is um, affecting us badly because um, it's hacking our brains. It's mm. uh, like hyper targeting our uh, what we like, yeah. and uh, this makes us like. Uh, put us inside of a bubble and echo chambers, and this. Uh, but uh, for me, it's uh, it's wrong. Is like that you are not able to see other point of views, mm -hmm. other uh, and and that you cannot think uh, from yourself. Like you are like induced to yeah. buy something yeah. or to or you have this need that hi. Yeah, I now I this I need this or yeah. this service or this product and um, I don't know I think uh, we don't realize but uh, we receive a lot of inputs and yeah. I think it's overwhelming. Yes, absolutely. I agree. So then, how how do we protect ourselves from that? Yeah. Is there a way? Yeah. <laughs> Big question. Do you know, Carlos? No, yeah, of course not. Oh. <laughs> Any thoughts from psychology? You can pop here. You see, the thing is that some people think that quitting is like the easiest way, like taking themselves away from the cyberspace. But there are two problems with that. A, it's everywhere and you need it. Like yeah. you need it like to do anything yeah, today. Yeah, totally. It's like electricity now. <laughs> uh, you can't really live in a modern world without electricity. You will have to get out of society. Uh, and second, or B, um, if you got there, if you got hooked on something, it's for a reason, right? And just because you quit that doesn't mean the reason disappears. This is a more clinical psychology approach. <laughs> but in the sense that usually people who are have an addictive tendency to something, they have different genetical and social things that predispose them to that. Mm -hmm. And just because you stop doing that, that doesn't mean that you stop having a problem. I'm going to give you a silly example. Okay. Uh, People who have uh, extreme obesity issues and they get the bi you know the bypass surgery uh -huh. where they reduce their stomach and they can only eat like a little a water cup mm -hmm. and then yeah they lose a lot of weight but it turns out there is a lot of research that shows that many of them become alcoholics yeah really depressing yeah wow. <laughs> because the the issues that make them eat their problems away are not gone so yeah. the issues that make you addicted to the likes. Are still there. You gotta go to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, so that's that would be my solution. If you have a problem, <laughs> look for help. <laughs> yeah, get some help. I mean, yeah, no, but, but, no, but for real, like jokes aside, like yeah, absolutely, like yeah. yeah I, I I've asked for help myself when I had yeah. anxiety problems, and it's it's not a problem. Exactly, it's completely fine. Yeah, but for example, I don't use social media. I just have LinkedIn. It's the only mm -hmm. uh, social media I have. And uh, the problem I see with that is that you are, it's like you don't exist. No. no and I don't have any problem with that because I'm, I like to be alone, I like to be in the nature. But um, I don't want to know what you have eat today or what no. have you done in your, for this I like, 
but yeah, it's like you don't don't exist, and yeah. like okay, um, it's like really weird. And sometimes you cannot afford not existing. I mean, it's as simple as that. Like, <laughs> I think so. Okay. I mean, yeah. and uh, yeah, I, like for example, companies or that like nowadays everything like yeah. to um, put ads on Instagram or to uh, like do your present your brand to the world. You yeah. need you need it and. Um, it's, it's, I, I interviewed a lot of people It's like, yeah, should I use it? Should I not? Because my, my ideal or my values is that I don't, uh, want to use a lot of social media. I want to uh, keep away from that, but it's the only way I think nowadays, like to promote yourself. Mm, absolutely. But I can share a trick that I've implemented myself Ooh. in my life and that is working more or less. Okay, so there's like this problem. Uh, at least it happens to me, I think it happens to people yeah. that I've talked yeah, a lot yeah, with, yeah. that like at some point when you have like, for example, Instagram installed in your mobile phone, you develop like an automatic thing in your brain that you don't think about it, then you have unlocked the mobile phone and got into Instagram, scroll two times and got out of the, of the platform. But, you know, it's like, you didn't think about it. It was like just simply like, I don't yeah, know. It's like, automated behavior. Like yeah. automated behavior, no? So to avoid that, and this works incredibly good for me. Like, I still have Instagram and I still have LinkedIn, mm -hmm. but I don't do that anymore. Um, is that I hide the apps. So there's like a, at least in my Samsung phone, there's an option like you don't uninstall them, but you hide them. Yeah. So the thing is that every single time that I have to get into Instagram, I yeah. have to go to a search bar inside the phone. So I have to do <sighs> much more, ma many yeah. more steps. Like search the Instagram, get there, then click another button and then get into the app. So it's yeah. it's like from one step to like four or five steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that it's surprisingly has worked for me because I get into Instagram like half of the times or less than half of the times. And honestly, like I don't see less content than when I was like yeah. all the time, like automa automatically getting to the app, no? Mm -hmm. So if you can, uh, maybe try it. Uh, you can tell me if it works for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, it works. To, to yeah. hide the app and then like, you know, like, like it doesn't matter if it's like hiding. Like the, the idea is to put more steps between you and opening the app. If you put like around four or five steps, you're going to get the content. You're going to be connected with your friends and everyone. But you're, gonna to, you're going to get in the app like once per day. That is fair enough, honestly. Yeah, there's another trick uh, that I learned from uh, one person that I interview. Uh, this person uh, is a co-founder of uh, the Light mm -hmm. Company. And, uh, the Light Company? Yeah, it's, uh, they created the Light Phone. Uh -huh. It's a phone to be used as less as possible. And uh, they have created their own tools. So. And uh, you don't have to uh, buy this uh, <laughs> phone. It's not sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> They're not sponsored. But they uh, give some tricks, like to don't strap your smartphone. Mm -hmm. So you can put uh, your phone in monochrome or black and white. Yeah. So you don't see like uh, mm -hmm. the colors or the yeah. impact. Also, uh, the notifications uh, put it off. Yeah. And uh, also, uh, very similar to what you say, like just put your uh, menu uh, page without anything mm -hmm. blank and um, I think be able to, like, uh, with this, you can uh, not 
um, use your phone every five minutes because we are looking at it all the time. That you use it every five minutes, but not because you have thought about, wow, I need this thing. No, it's because like there's some like, yeah, you're used to it. like automatic yeah. addictive exactly. response yeah, yeah. that you just do it. Exactly. And you don't know why, but then you're, you're hooked on TikTok for half an hour and bro, like... I and had, you lost your time. I had to study for the exam and then you <laughs> fail the exam and then shit happens and then your yeah. parents, you know... <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because what you, you both are saying, it is backed up by research. Like in all sorts of experiments where you complicate tasks, people are less likely to perform them. Mm -hmm. Again, nothing against people doing, doing diets. It's just that there's a lot of research <laughs> about changing behavior in that sense. Um, they've done these studies where they grab like food in, in somebody's house and they hide it in more complicated places. Something as simple as putting the, you know, the cookies three shelves higher. <laughs> then you have to pick up a pal. How do you say that in English? One of these Swedish mini steps, yes. you know, like stairs. Okay. And, um, and the person has to climb to get the cookies. And then they're like 50% less likely to do it. So mm -hmm. it's actually a good strategy to lose weight just to hide all your food around <laughs> your house. So it works. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, well, I think that, well, to close the, yeah. the podcast here, I would like to, to talk about one last thing that is like, to me, is the most important thing. That is, how do we redefine success? Um, what is to be a successful business? Uh, what metrics do explain that you are successful as a business? Yes, like money, whatever, but there has to be something else. Like, no, if, if we are a society that are progressing to something else, there should be like a more complex definition of success. So how can we define success? Like, how can we like put this new cultural proposal of success mm -hmm. that makes us a society that grows, but at the same time, a society that has this sustainable growth in the mid and long term? I think that's um, meaningful. It's uh, something that I could say, like the new uh, kind of success, uh, something that uh, is transcendent and um, that keep us like like um, a way for just thinking about ourselves and our world and what we have in our screens and uh, amplifies our view and uh, that make us like um, think that uh, there's something bigger than us, that everything is interconnected and that we need to collaborate. Yeah, this idea of the neoliberal man or woman like going for uh, their goals and uh, making a lot of money and I'm sorry, but I think it's, uh, it's not sustainable and um, we need to uh, think uh, like um, in participate in community in and trying like to to um, to put this as uh, the key like uh, the center like uh, like working towards uh, a living system that has to uh, be regenerative and very sustainable we are working to we are trying to arrive there but uh, then move to something more uh, regenerative. That's, uh, for me, what this means success mm. today. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, well, maybe with that uh, def new definition of success that Mireya has shared with us, we can leave the podcast here. Yeah. So, well, thank you again, Carlos. Oh, I'm wait. super happy to see you back here oh, with well, us. Thank you. <laughs> Have me back. And uh, thank you very much, Mireya.
for sharing with us, well, all the things, yes. super interesting things about humane technology, your framework, and so on. And, uh, well... Thank you, Javier, Manuel, and Carlos. Uh, you are doing a great job with the podcast. Thanks. And I know that in a month you will launch your uh, alpha version of yes. Cose. Yes. Good luck with <laughs> it. I'm still in the I, I'm in the waiting list. Well, we're have so one. good luck thank and you. it's and thank you again for letting me be part of it. Well, thank you very much, Thank you. Bye bye.